0: Hey. Hi. Here's your reminder that you are worthy and capable exactly as you are in this moment. Really? There's nothing wrong with the core of you and who you are. I
1: think you're right.
0: If you want to be a hot girl, then you are a hot girl. I am. If you want to do Pilates, you can do Pilates. Yes, I can. And never let anyone tell you any differently. I will. Let's start the show. Let's go. here with Rachel Brook and I am just so so thankful to have you on Rachel because if you have noticed that RPS had a glow up in the last 6 months Rachel was a huge part of that and is so so inspiring to me so I'm really excited to introduce her to you and I want to just start with asking you Rachel what's your story
1: Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I want to say glow up work was all yours. I just got to like be by your side cheering you on and, um, supporting it. So the pleasure was mine and I'm so psyched to be here and my story, um, oh my God, where to even begin. If I were to (laughs) tell you my story just in the last, like, you know, nine months and where today I kind of define myself as it's, um, you know i went through some grief and some loss and like everyone else the pandemic just like uprooted and changed the entire trajectory of my life and before the pandemic i was a senior soul cycle instructor Barry's boot camp instructor running all over the west coast san francisco teaching sometimes in new york and just being really captivated on this like almost the ego side of group fitness, where it was just like, nothing was ever enough, I always needed to fill rooms and field classes, and I was working for other people, and, you know, then after just the pandemic shifting things, starting my businesses online, and then, like I said, the loss I went through in the last year, um, really kind of being like, hold, hold up, like, what, what, brings power to my life what do I want to actually share and educate others on and so kind of in the last year I've turned more into a microdosing mentor for psilocybin I do cycle syncing for I support people in you know learning about their cycle syncing um, so that they can apply that to their fitness routine and their workouts and then I still have a virtual app that I teach on and one of my favorite things, you know, mentioning your glow up. I love supporting fitness, wellness instructors, create trauma informed, ethical, aligned and sustainable brands and businesses. So it's kind of a lot, but I really like where I'm at right now. Oh, and then lastly, I like, I support people in the similar grief processes, processes, similar um, grief journeys that I went through, which was mostly with pet loss and I've just found a big love incorporating all these things, right? Like everybody at the end of the day wants an aligned life and a sustainable life. And they want what they do to matter. And it doesn't really matter if you're a fitness professional or if you're taking the classes or if you're an author or an artist or a bartender, you just, you want what you do to mean something and not harm others and really take care of your own mental and physical health as you do it.
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> so many of the things you mentioned i have on my list that i want to do like a deep dive with you on um but i do want to say how i found you was through a webinar workshop that you led through it was your adjust align audit and i mean you opened up a whole new world to me one of the biggest things Mm -hmm. i learned from you was how we we decide what success is and what it means to us and it it has nothing Mm. to do with comparing to anyone else and you really opened my eyes to how toxic the fitness industry was I feel like I knew it in my gut but Mm. at the same time you put words to it that were like really really spoke to me once I listened to that Mm. I found you on Instagram and I instantly was like I feel so connected everything you said felt like it was directed toward me like it felt so um aligned and so true to me. So I'm just so glad that we linked up. And to anyone listening, I just sent Rachel a DM after listening to her webinar and we connected through that. I end up being able to do her inside out program. So reach out to your heroes. <laughs> Hit them up. <laughs> <You're> so sweet. <laughs> amazing things can happen. Um but mm. going into success, I I think that you've had such an interesting journey. You mentioned soul cycle barry's boot camp can you talk a little bit about because that is definitely the dream and a lot of teachers listen to this so yeah let me know like just go into that a little
1: oh yeah um i was a dancer dancing professionally in new york i got injured and i guess i should say while i was a dancer in new york i soul cycle is kind of at it was about to peak. It was maybe only a few years old at the time, maybe like two, three years old. And wow. I found SoulCycle. And I was like, this shit's so fun. Like I'm riding a bike, I'm dancing in the music. This is great cross training for my profession. And then I got injured dancing and an injury that I can't dance anymore. But the minute my surgeon and physical therapist were like, you can go to physical therapy and tell your physical therapist that you can sit on a stationary bike and just pedal your legs. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to go to SoulCycle instead. Um, And I immediately just started going to SoulCycle and sitting in the back row and moving my legs and like crying and all the things we know that like people go through in a cathartic group fitness experience. And I never, ever, ever wanted to be a trainer or a personal trainer or a fitness (laughs) instructor. I never even wanted to, like, open my mouth. Like, I'd be in dance shows where they'd have us, you know, say lines or whatever. And I, like, hated it. I just wanted to like be quiet and move my body and like that's it. So never thought about teaching. Pretty quickly was like, I'm a broke New Yorker. I need a front desk at this thing that I'm spending $50 a class on. So started working for Soul Cycle and it was just such an iconic time. I loved that level of the fitness industry back then. Instructors were treated so well and um, it, it was just it was fantastic. And Somehow, some way, my men, like my favorite instructor casually mentioned, why aren't you teaching? I was like, I guess I never thought about that. And training was amazing. Becoming an instructor was awesome. Uh, I moved from New York to San Francisco and had the time of my life in my early 20s teaching. And pretty quickly, you know, without kind of to your point of like you knew things were toxic, but you didn't quite know why. Like I knew that I was like a 23-year-old tall um, but I was very underweight. Like I knew these things, but I was like, no, this is like what I'm supposed to look like. And this is what mm-hmm. it means to be a fitness instructor. I, I need to look like this and I need to not eat that. And it was very dysmorphic without getting into it. and just mm-hmm. unhealthy and my hormones. I was right. Like a young 20 year old woman. And like I said, I like cycle syncing. I didn't have a period, like all those things and mm-hmm. very tapped out of my body. Um, and then love group fitness, like with all my heart. But as, you know, it grew and grew, and this is not just SoulCycle, any company that grows and expands, um, they, you know, went, you know, they got a board, and they got Mm -hmm. CEOs, and they got people that cared about money, and the amount that instructors would make was starting to decline, and the way instructors were treated, it was no longer like the talent, and it was more like, you know, just like uh, a hot commodity that you could be replaced, and, that started to happen. I started to be like, holy crap, I've been doing this for like four or five years. I'm not able to even like pay my rent. I'm too tired to do anything else. Um, and somehow Barry's boot camp showed up and they wanted to hire me. They wanted to like take me from Soul Cycle. And it was this funny, like, Back it was super dramatic at the time, back and forth. Like, will she go to berries? Will she stay at Soul Cycle? And mm-hmm. I, you know, I tell the story of falling in love with Soul Cycle and being in the back row crying on a bike after an injury, like riding a bike that goes nowhere in a dark room, like saved my life. And mm. I felt a big devotion to staying on the bike. So at the time nobody could teach at Soul Cycle and Berries. You were not allowed to teach at both um wow. both companies had you know they'd had their like trauma with you know like you know losing all their instructors and suddenly like a studio being at DE and like things like that mm. so i understood the drama at the time but um i like really i kind of joke part of my branding for you know the business coaching you did with me over at the fit pro co was Um, all about um, me kind of challenging the fitness industry, me just like um, disrupting what goes on in the fitness industry. And I didn't realize it at the time, but back then I was disrupting it. I was like, screw this. Like there's room for everything. I can be an amazing soul cycle instructor and an amazing berries instructor. And so somehow I convinced both companies to let me do both. And I did that for about two years before the pandemic. And it was the time of my life. I mean, I, I, the both workouts are amazing both companies are amazing and however I was teaching four fitness classes a day still oh my in my gosh. 20s still so disconnected from my body very ego-based like if I had one spot open I was like I'm the worst it was it was like I was very harsh on myself and you know I saw other instructors be harsh on themselves and then we were harsh to each other and it was toxic and it was just like you never had time off when you work for like those big companies and unfortunately um you know with the pandemic we saw everything just explode right none of it worked and I kind of live uh, this philosophy of the things that didn't work we're not going to make it through the pandemic things that were working think of re- I was in a relationship early pandemic and it was not, not working. working and th- thankfully I mean as hard as it was um Within about a month, it stopped working. Meanwhile, that month could have taken a year if it was, like, not the pandemic is how I look at wow. that. So um, everything exploded. I stopped teaching at both studios because everything shut down. I was, like, offered to come back to both, but kind of in the meantime, I discovered my own Teaching ability online, and I fell in love with Zoom and the fact that I could go on, like, you know, still pandemic. I was going on little road trips and I'd go somewhere, but I would bring my studio with me. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I'm teaching at 9 a.m. instead of 6 a.m., and I can go wherever and have this freedom. I can see my family. And then, of course, you know, if you run the business in a way that you know works for you you're making more money than if you're working for someone else and you're in yeah. charge and all that so I have actually fully forgotten what your question was but I was trying to talk about no, you were hitting and- all of it
0: yes it, just yeah, like that idea and- of success <laughs> and creating a new world of success right. just for the listeners out there yeah. Rachel's zoom classes were not like my Zoom classes had at most, like my first one, I had like 40 people. And then after that, like mm-hmm. I balanced out around five, right? And I think probably a lot yeah. of teachers can relate to that. Rachel had 200 plus people oh in her God. Zoom <laughs> coming consistently. So that yeah. is huge. I mean, like you yeah. said, financially, that must have been amazing. And then you were oh, doing it on it your own without the... Amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. And I think it's cool. And, yeah. I, and I really don't... I kind of like talking about the numbers and the money because I think it's important for people to realize like Rachel was at the top of soul cycle and berries those are two huge companies but were you making more when you moved on and did it yourself
1: oh my god I made so much more when I moved on (laughs) and did it myself and you know I do want to say first of all a couple things if someone's listening and they're pursuing teaching on zoom like I now I do teach to like 15 people I, I have like a you know group of clients on an app but um you know, and to that point, yeah, 200 people it was amazing. I made money that oh. took me weeks to make prior to that, which was so cool. And I do think that we all should talk about money and how much we make a lot more. But I want to say, to the reestablishing my definition of success through the losses that I went through, and just for me, realizing like, wait, what matters in life? And I was hustling when I was making, even being yeah. my own boss I was hustling like I was you like, were you had a amazing full... I'm making so much money <laughs> yeah.
0: you had like a mixer like your setup was so professional yeah. and incredible and you choreographed yeah. like you did your routines to the music uh-huh. and like you really yeah. put in the effort so it's not like it was easy for you but at the same time you had this new freedom and I am curious because yeah. I know the loss of your two babies mm. um, was was that like around the time that you were kind of like teaching these giant yes. classes
1: It was my fitness career working for myself had like totally peaked. I think I had just launched my first app maybe and um, everything was going really well. I was like business coaching these fit pros, helping them explode their businesses. Um, And my cats both died very close together, very slowly and unexpectedly. Like I knew it was coming, but I didn't think it was like gonna be back to back and when you have I think something like that happen that totally like I had a press pause on my life and you know I had a choice to show up and teach a class and like, you know, do all that prep work and kind of Um, you know, fake it in a way or, you know, be in bed with my like really sick animal and like Mm -hmm. be in that moment. And I, something really turned on about how temporary so many things in this life are. And I was like, my fitness career will always be there. I can always go back to that. And I knew I was going to let some clients down. I knew that, you know, the momentum I had built was maybe going to kind of taper. And I also had to know that like, my animal was not going to be here next month. So it, as hard as it was, I, in that moment also really learned the clients that are there because of you and who you are and love you as a human and want you to be honest and real with them. They're going to stick around. They're going to, they're going to say, yes, take that month off. Yes. Like go do that thing that matters. And the clients that complain about it, I'm sorry. Like you're perpetuating everything that has been, you know, leading to so many fitness instructors not being happy and healthy.
0: Great so, amazing point. Yeah,
1: yeah. So true. Um it's which so I, amazing I, that, I love yeah. all humans and love clients, but yeah. I think what yeah. they Some people been aren't taught, for you. Been, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and that's okay. I think
0: I think there's so much um, people are probably so reassured to hear your story because I think we've all experienced kind of going through a time where we feel like things are on track, like everything's going well, and then we just get like hit with something like the loss of your, your cats or like um, the loss of anyone in your life, grief, yeah. like bouts of depression. And like, you can look at Rachel and check her out, like incredible, like you might look at her and think like, oh, she must have everything perfect, but she dealt with a really low time. I'm curious if the loss of your cats, was that like maybe the lowest you felt or have you had like deeper bouts Mm. of hard times?
1: Mm. I love this. I in 2019, 2018, 2019. So for me, I look back at this and I'm like, I feel this deep gratitude that happened before the pandemic. Um, I was really addicted to a pill that's called Clonopin. uh, plonazepam, clonopin, anti-anxiety drug that I've been on since I was a very young girl. And a lot of triggers were happening in my life and relationships and family dynamic that was causing me to take like way more of this um, pill than you should take. And getting off of that pill, actually, you either should be going somewhere and getting medical support um, you can get really sick if you do it on your own. I was really lucky. Mm. I did a medical withdrawal. So I had doctors helping me from home. And this whole time I was trying to maintain my career at Full Cycle and Barry. So all this wow. to say I was dealing with panic attacks, um, OCD, depression, anxiety all of that was really, really strong. And I was just covering it up with these pills. And I actually got in a really bad car accident on my way to mm. teach a 6am soul cycle.
0: Class. Oh, my God.
1: And it was it was like, you know, the wake up kind of car accident, like, Oh, this might be it as like, everything's like slipping and spiraling. And oh. um, I remember getting out of the car somehow. And uh, like the fire department coming and police coming and I was like oh my god they're gonna you know drug test me and I like my life is over um mm-hmm. and granted the crash did not happen because of the clonopin. Clonopin, mm-hmm. um it does kind of make you numb and actually you know I learned later you know operating heavy machinery, right? You shouldn't do. But again, this had been in me for about 10 years, this, um, medicine. And I think honestly, it was a mix of just a bad making a driving air mixed with it's five in the morning mixed with like the shit going on in my life at that yeah. time. Um, but that fear I felt and that like, Oh my God, Rachel, like get your stuff together. Um, I immediately really good relationship with my dad who's a doctor called him and I was like, what, what do I do to like get off of this? Had a lot of panic attacks, lots of depression, getting off of it. Went to a lot of therapy. I did start dabbling with plant medicine during that time. I went to AA, like I I didn't really understand what was going on with me. So I was like, no alcohol, no pill, like none of that. And um, I ultimately, I got really sober curious and, um, which is interesting when you add in plant medicine. I think there's a lot of different conversations that can happen there that I know we don't need to get into today, but plant medicine saved my life. Therapy saved my life. Fitness, not just actually teaching fitness. I can't believe I maintained my jobs during that. Cause you feel like you have like the flu when you're withdrawing from medicine, wow. medication like that. Um I had clients that were like turn they're still my lifelong best friends that they knew about the car crash. They actually I didn't really know this at the time, but they like rallied together and they had this text chain where they wow. made sure I made it to my six and seven AMs because I didn't have a car after that crash. Um I got picked mm. up by like a different group of this clientele, like and they kept it like nobody else knew, like this companies didn't mm. know. Um, they got me to like all my classes. And again, oh. this was all this was then maybe like fall of twenty nineteen, going into, you know, um, wow. I got off the pills, my life was coming together, classes were going great. I actually went to Soul Cycle and Berries and was like, I can no longer teach six AM. So, like I started creating boundaries with my work. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I think because I'd gone through all that, a lot of things that people went through in the pandemic with their mental health. And because I had discovered plant medicine, um, I was able to go into the pandemic and focus on business and impact and what I wanted that to look like. So that was definitely the darkest time of my life. And um, Mm -hmm. then grief was a whole different, you know, rodeo. Um, But you know, yeah, mental health and having a support system and, the idea of hitting rock bottom, that happening, and it's really scary when you hit it, and yet sometimes you don't know that you're at your rock bottom until a year later, three years later, and you look back and you're like, oh my god, that was actually the bouncing up point that I, you know, moved on from
0: yes and especially when you're such like a high achieving person it's kind of like you can just keep going day to day and you know how to make it work and you know you know how to maybe like fool people into thinking you're fine there's going to be those people though like your clients who are like you're not hiding this as well as you think you are um and i'm it's so cool that they rallied around you and i think that speaks to like even if you, even though you are going through such a dark and challenging time, the um, support and connection and community you were able to provide your clients for them to then pick you up—I mean, that really says a lot about you as a, an instructor mm. and um, just as someone who makes people feel a little bit better in general. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So that's an amazing Thank story. You. Thank you so much for sharing that. Seriously. And I would love to dive in to plant medicine because you're someone you're the person who introduced me to microdosing. I have a close friends list on Instagram. So some of um, people listening to this might be aware of my experiments with it. And I do want to ask you like when you're younger, because when I was a teen, I did like, I guess you just call it macrodosing, like just taking like a lot and trying <laughs> and trying to have a psychedelic experience. And it's so different than that. And I think that's what people don't quite understand. Like, when I did that as a teen, that was such a, a different world than microdosing. So I wonder if you can get into if you've ever tried like more of a macrodose in your younger years or even now and um, how microdosing is in your life now.
1: Yeah. Um, I actually, I was such a, did not do anything growing up. I was, um, I had a very, um, my parents definitely had their, not saying your parents don't have eyes on you when you, yeah are able to experiment with um, were you kind
0: of like anything were you kind of like
1: a Trina <laughs> I hate to say that word uh, but yeah no, See I, like, I, like... <laughs> I lived in the suburbs like and the I can tell from your feet like, yeah um I couldn't get away with anything I guess is more of what yeah. I'm saying like I was very like if I was going anywhere, like, my parents were driving me, like, I couldn't, um, Mm. and if I wasn't home, they knew exactly where I was, and my state of mind, I mean, I grew up with an ER doctor and a therapist, and it's just, (laughs) like, all eyes were on me at all times, which is, I, I just say that, too, because now, one of my favorite things about my childhood is, That I kind of grew up with a little bit, my toes in Eastern medicine and my toes in Western medicine, my toes in, you know, what, how are, how are you feeling? And then also what's some of the science behind it Um, and honoring how you feel and like that just being what matters. And then also honoring, like, here's some of the facts that we can listen to. And I've always played in that world. Um, I also, you know, to speaking on mental health and just in case anyone's listening, I wish I had heard somebody talk about, I had really bad panic attacks growing up, like really bad. Um, and I had a bunch of disassociation episodes and I know it's like, I don't even know if you knew that. So that's not what we're talking about, but I had to be, I was really careful. Um, I was really scared of my mental health and, um, and, and I think the war on drugs has also really taught us, you know, to be afraid of things like plant medicine. And so I was just living in a lot of fear with it um, mm. up until, you know, right before the pandemic when I sat with, I sat with Combo for the first time, which is. Yes, um, the frog, right? Frog poison? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, like frog secretion um, that they use to like protect themselves so, yeah, right. it is a poison. And that was the first thing I had ever touched. Like, <gasps> and that is strong. Touched. I mean, um, that's
0: supposed to be, like, a really intense um, psychedelic experience, um, right?
1: Yeah, it was really intense. Um, <laughs> but, again, this this came after, you know, getting off Klonopin, having, like, a month or two totally sober and it was, was with some shamans and guides that they had kind of seen me along the way. I didn't really know who they were, what they did, but they like, they had been kind of following me and like, uh, through clientele and therapy and all that. And, um, it all, you know, everything happened for a reason. I ended up, you know, sitting with combo and it showed me everything that I had been having my panic attacks about since I was like eight years old. And I could do not, I have not had a panic attack since that moment. Um mm. and so that was kind of my first uh, entryway into that. And then I didn't really touch any other psychedelics and this is what I was maybe like 27, 28. Um I didn't touch anything until actually microdosing for me. So macrodosing came after microdosing. Um mm. and I just was like uh I had what I had heard about microdosing, you know, great benefits for mental health, great benefits for creativity and embodiment and you know, that's what I had heard. And now I know even more about it, but those kind of three things, I was like, I want to be in my body. I want to, you know, take care of my mental health and I'm a really creative person. And I love the idea of like naturally rewiring some neural pathways. So I looked and I looked and I couldn't really find much. And, um, I just somehow, some way I like bought, you know, a bag of mushrooms off of someone (laughs) and like, was just like oh okay like I have this now but like I don't want to do that I want to microdose um I grinded up mushrooms I put them in my own little <laughs> capsules I had no idea how much I was taking and I was were just you living in Oregon out. at this point I was living in Oregon so that's okay. a great point uh a little bit in the Bay Area, and you okay. know, with legis- with legislation, we have to always be careful. I'm in Oregon; right. I'm a little more protected. It's decriminalized here, right. um, but I still was like, I don't know what I'm doing, and wow. slowly but surely figured it out. And um, you know, I love the idea of we are, you know, depending on where your mental health is and your physical health, and you know, past trauma, lived experience, all of that. Um, I really believe that we can be our own experiment and experimenter at the same time. And Mm -hmm. I really did that for myself. I was like, I spent about a year kind of figuring it out. And like I said, you know, how does it make me feel? And what are the numbers? And that's what I love about microdosing is you can play with what the numbers are. A microdose to one person is not a microdose to another person. Yes. Um, And then playing around with what I was reading about, everyone was like, it's subperceptual, subperceptual. You don't feel it. And I started noticing I was feeling it, but then I was like, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with feeling it. I'm not having a psychedelic trip, but I want to feel it. So me and one of my mentors, we just say Um, sub-psychedelic. And kind of to your point, it's very, very different from a larger dose, a macro dose, which since then I have done, and I love it in a very ceremonial setting. I don't really like it in a um, playful setting. I like playful settings being micro doses and like maybe a medium dose, but when I'm gonna, cause you don't know what the medicine is going to show you. And I think being, I like, I can do a ceremonial setting and kind of like alone and see what comes up, but I love having a guide. I love sitting with someone for something bigger. Um, how cool. It's amazing how you
0: about, (laughs) combo. Like you just did it, you know, maybe one or or maybe more than once. But I think what's cool for people to realize is that with some of these drugs, it's not like microdosing is a long-term practice, but you can also do a large dose of something and have something that that changes your life forever and in a positive way, right? Like I'm thinking of when I was experimenting with mushrooms, larger doses, I, there was two things I conquered. One was my fear of dogs and the other was my fear of going upside down. And like, I couldn't do a handstand. I was really scared of that. And I was really scared of dogs because my mom kind of passed that trauma on to me. And now I'm like obsessed with dogs. I love playing upside down. And that was just from like one experience. So I think that's cool for people to realize too. Like, it's not, you don't need to rely on something like this. It's just cool what you can achieve with only one thing. And then what's yeah. the possibility when you do end up making it a part of your life? And especially under the guidance of someone like Rachel, who can help you to integrate and make sure you're setting intentions and everything. Because I definitely didn't do that yeah. when I was a teen.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. And a, a lot comes up. I even think sometimes with a microdose, you can have a day that like the epiphanies that you drop into or, you know, the new, yes. you go to from point A to point B in a new way when you microdose. Um, You can have one day that changes the trajectory of your whole life on a microdose. And you might be at work on the microdose. You might be having a conversation with your partner or family member. And um, because of, you know, it being the psychedelic and it being like the magic mushroom and like that medicine, uh, you can have a big experience even in a smaller, smaller dose, I think is what I'm trying to say.
0: That's a great Um, point, and that's kind of a nicer, I think, more accessible for people who are, like, never considered doing, like, acid or or having a hallucination, you know, for them to kind of realize, actually, you don't need to be tripping to um, have, like, a really powerful experience.
1: Um, And I do want to say, you probably might have talked about this before, but the How to Change Your Mind documentary on Netflix, I mean, there's so many great resources, but I just this one feels really accessible if you're a new listener or like you're new to listening yes. to conversations about this because it shows, you know, it shows one set, one um, session of psilocybin, which is the psychedelic in mushrooms. Um, one session with psilocybin and a man, you know, his OCD is healed um, That's what, amazing. and it's intense yeah. and, um, you know, the medicine will just heal different things for different people. But yeah. Uh, you can have that one session, and it changes your life. Big that documentary, or
0: small. yeah, that documentary is really great yeah. uh, starting point if you're curious because it's research. You know, these are it's being done under the gu- the guidance of like scientists and psychotherapists, and it's pretty incredible. That's so awesome. Yeah, I've had a, I've had really great experiences with microdosing. I, I had an experience um, with my family where I was like, and, and I wonder what your take yeah. is on this, Rachel, because sometimes I I do a microdose and I, I feel it as well it's not completely sub perceptual yeah. but I end up just like crying and it's not sad crying but it's just mm. tears and I'm uh, when mm. I experience it I'm just like is this just like my natural state just in tears mm. and I'm curious what you think about that because it's not like I'm sad but maybe it feels kind of like cathartic or just like allowing myself to be I guess I'm curious your take
1: mm. I have a lot of thoughts on crying. I love crying so much. I Energy and motion, emotion. Um, so when energy is moving through us, a lot of times it comes out in tears or needing to shake the body. And yes. uh, we have different types of tears. I love the idea or like the fact that when we cry tears that are like truly of sadness, like Um, and I, I, I cry happy tears. I cry emotion like tears because I'm just, I'm feeling so much, but when we have like true sad, sad, sad tears, there's actually a different secretion that's released from your tear duct that makes them fall down your face slower. Um, Mm. and the idea there on like a evolutionary standpoint is those tears rolling down slower means that there's more of a chance that those tears are seen. And it's this reminder that we are communal and that, like, we do want, like, when we're in sadness, we cannot do it alone. Mm. And you want people to see. I I just, I love that about tears and crying. And so back to the fact that. You know, those kind of tears are coming up for you. I'd be curious of, you know, what type of tears. And I really think the medicine truly brings up what is ready to be healed or released. And yeah, yeah, and sometimes there's no words to it, right? Like Uh, we're so taught in our Western society, label it, name it. And I'm like, wait, wait, sometimes it's just a feeling that needs to be released or an emotion that, you know, I love the idea that, you know, we're limited in our language. There are Uh. words there aren't even words to describe some of the most beautiful feelings that exist in life. There's just the feeling that exists and you can't label it. So, So um, yeah, yeah. your point on
0: connection and like, that's Mm. so interesting about the slower tears. And I I know you're really diving into, um, like the whole mycology in general, and I studied mycology mm-hmm. in college, so I think it's so cool wow. you're getting like it, it's just so cool to chat with you about this because you brought up mycelium on a chat, um, yeah. a call I heard with mm-hmm. you, and I I just think mycelium is the coolest thing. I I don't know if people always recognize that mushrooms are just the fruiting body of this much larger organism that um, is incredibly. Uh, advanced i mean fungus has been around longer than humans by a lot right it's way more advanced than us in some ways Um, but i think something we can learn from it is that community and connection
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so for those listening when you think of mycelium networks and with the fungi right and the mushroom being the fruit um i i'm actually looking out at my street right now and i'm like i see like mycelium networks and everything like the Mm. trees are showing up because there's a whole network underneath the road that I'm looking
0: at. And it looks a lot like
1: veins. Yeah. Right. In our body. And we have it in our bodies. And when we think, you know, of, you know, energy medicine or you know, Ugh, trauma yeah. being stored in the body. Like, you know, it can be something, and this is why I do love, um, you know, things like acupuncture and plant yes. medicine. Cause it's like, yeah. there's so much more than just like, you know, taking a Tylenol or, you know, getting, you know, yes. I, I don't know, anything that like, it's all, that's all important too. And I think like mm. the more we can mix all of that, the better. And mycelium networks, uh, working within your body. I I think of the mushroom as, um, really just wanting to be a connector. It wants to connect us to more people. It wants to connect yeah. us to more feelings. It wants to connect us to what's really going on in our bodies and our hearts and our minds. Then it wants to connect us with like, you know, the universe. So like that's where it gets yeah. really trippy, but on a factual level, like, no, no, it's just, it's super connected. Like you're not going to walk away from an experience with psilocybin and not either feel connected to yourself, connected Mm -hmm. to source or connected to the earth. Like it's going to be one of those at minimum.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So cool. And for the anatomy um, nerds and, and other Pilates instructors on here, you can almost think of mycelium too, almost like the fascia in our body. Like, you know, like yeah. you said, that body work that you do with acupuncture, we know so little about the way um, fascia works and, mm-hmm. and really what it's there for. We used to think like when they would cut open cadavers, they would rip out the fascia and ignore that part and just look at the organs yeah. and the muscles and it's like, whoa, that is a huge deal. I mean, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So interesting. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom on that. Mm-hmm. There's something that I feel um, really related to you on from your social media and like your stories. And, and everyone should follow Rachel because she's just really open. And every time she's on Instagram, it feels so authentic. Um, but you've opened up about having a hard time maintaining friendships with with women. And early we, we touched on competition. And I do think this world has kind of built itself to pit us against each other, which is so frustrating. But it's really freeing to kind of break free from that. I'm curious, like, if you have advice for other women mm. who struggle with the same thing, comparing themselves, jealousy, maintaining female friendships.
1: Mm. Okay. Wow. I'm so glad we're talking about this. The first thing I think, you know, and I want to be a little careful when I do say female or woman friendship or sisterhood, um, with you know people that might not identify as um, you know maybe they're non-binary or you know mm-hmm. maybe they now identify as a woman and I, I will be the first to admit I don't have all the perfect vocabulary on this so if you're listening out there um, I just want you to know that um, I I, ho- I hope to say some of this accurately and I think more of what I want to say right now without being too political is that we live in this very masculine energy patriarchal society that they have i don't just believe like it's not necessarily just like a man who's like running the country has like suddenly like put this like patriarchy on us it's like it's deeply it's it's like it has its own energy i really i Mm -hmm. see it as its own collective consciousness the patriarchy and Mm. it realized like thousands hundreds of years ago whatever um that oh my god the woman's the, the body of a person who Um, you know, has a womb is like so incredibly powerful that they were like, we're Mm. terrified. We what? No, this is terrifying. You know, womb life. No. Oh my God. (laughs) They're, they might, you know, respect it and be like, they're beautiful. But like, we've obviously seen right over the years of just like horrors and atrocities to women. So I want to just say that first. And when I really woke up to just like, oh my God, this isn't me. This is like, I understand now why I've been taught to compete against women, why I've been taught to not celebrate being a woman, why we've been taught to get smaller as women, like physically, when I think of fitness, and we've been taught, like, lose weight, be small, I see that as take up less space. Yeah, like, wait, 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 no, I want to take up so much space. And don't
0: pick up a hand weight, Um, because
1: you'll get bulky, right? uh. Yeah. And so I think the first thing I think, look at your family dynamics, look at your community, look at the jobs that you're in and see if you notice, this would be like my advice, see where, you know, the patriarchy is at play, see where, you know, people with wounds and like, even if, you know, you've had a hysterectomy or you know, you identify as a woman and you don't have that. Um, look at where, you know, people like that are being, you know, undervalued, underserved, you know, not respected, and realize, oh man, like that's probably then been, been happening to me as well. And anytime that I feel, you know, sense of competition with women or jealousy towards them, um, you know, it's usually a woman who's super confident and I'm like, oh, I want to feel that way. Right. Um, or it's a woman who feel, it looks like, actually I notice I'm more jealous of women who might have a body that is different than what, unfortunately the fitness industry has perpetuated as beauty. I actually get more jealous of like a woman who I'm just like, Oh my God, you look happy and healthy. Mm, um, yeah. and then I look at a woman who, unfortunately I opened up a shape magazine the other day just for like no. research and. Yeah, I just I was at the market. I was like, I'm gonna look at this. And I kid you not everyone was a white thin woman with a six pack. So that's a whole other combo. But, you know, I'm scrolling through health and wellness and shape. And I'm just like, no wonder I feel like shit. And like, I am a thin, tall, white woman. Like I fit this like, you know, stereotype, unfortunately, that the industries has placed on us. um, And I still feel like shit. So just all in all, at the end of the day, you know, looking at all that and being like, wow, we are so conditioned to feel like shit. We are being taught not to love ourselves. So that's just bigger than us. That's marketing. That's, you know, people will profit off of us hating ourselves, period. End of the day. Starting to look at that. And every time I buy something, I'm like, am I buying this because I want this and it's exciting me? Or am I buying it because I feel like it's going to fix me? And I started kind of looking at that. That stuff started changing on social media. You know, I make it so that nobody, I can't see my, uh, I can't see anyone's likes. Um, there's like a way that you can do that in your mm-hmm. settings. So I, great you know, tip. I don't care if I'm, I'm following like a meme creator with millions of followers or I'm following someone with five followers. I can't tell. And it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and so there's that there's, I have my likes turned off for most things. So, you know, people can't see that either. So there's no, you know, comparison game there. So there, there's that on just kind of, you know, looking at that comparison and patriarchy. Um,
0: Yeah. That's a really great female,
1: female friendships. um, The biggest healing thing for me was I actually looked at how I, um, and this was kind of, you know, in plant medicine and meditation, but I was like, what is my relationship with the feminine? Mm. And I actually did this meditation that I walked my clients through. And uh, I think actually anyone can kind of do this as a visual meditation I imagine my masculine and my feminine sitting down at a table in front of me. And however you meditate, however you get there, and then visualize, you know, what you see as the masculine side of you, what you see as the feminine side of you. And again, you know, for talking non-binaries, what's the yin side of you and the yang side of you, mm-hmm. Um Pulling out in front of you and I looked at it, I kid you not, my masculine was this like hot, sexy, like wolf, powerful, <laughs> like, and I felt this like, Oh my God, I'm so attracted to that. Like that's that's the energy I want to be in. And then my feminine was this little, like, it was kind of like Tinkerbell, but really annoying, <laughs> like small little fly, like flying around. And I was like, oh, my God, she's so annoying. And it was in that moment. And I had a teacher that was ultimately like, okay, we're going to bring these into harmony. That mass, you know, whatever it is for different people, having that overpowering, like, sexy, alluring, like, big wolf, you know, that's actually not serving me because my body anatomically, like, it can't go there. And um, so doing this meditation and allowing, it took a couple weeks, but... I'd go in, I'd look at my little, like, annoying fly, and I'd be like, what about her is annoying? And, like, Mm -hmm. really through that, she ended up, like, glowing and expanding, and, you know, I can do that meditation now, and my table is, like, two very even energies in front of me. That's beautiful. Um, So I learned a lot that I was taught to be competitive with women, judging women, all of that, and... I looked and I was like, oh, my God, I have no female friends. I felt much safer with the masculine and, you know, yeah. sisterhood didn't exist for me. Mm. Um, and I actually got really intentional about it. Like, And it wasn't until I hit 30. I hit 30 and something in me was like sisterhood. <laughs> like, yes. that's what you need. Yes. Um, and so I think not pressuring yourself to need it. Um, and mm. I I went on like similar to like if you're like, I'm going to intentionally date um I was like I'm gonna intentionally find woman to be friends with and it was so awkward it was harder than dating it is, um yeah because like I mean not saying like every date's gonna end with like a makeout sesh but like if you go on like the <laughs> first date and then like you have a makeout sesh you like you know that the person like kind of might like you
0: right and
1: <laughs> if you're like just looking for friendship um, and that's not yep. happening. You're like, Oh, it's, you know, what do I text the next day? Like, it's funny and yeah. intimate and vulnerable and weird. And, um, yeah. I really intentionally did that for about six months. And I now have a beautiful group of girlfriends. I had two long-term best friends that we had had a falling outs in our twenties. And, um, you know, I've reached out to the, I listened to when I got the call and intuitively I got these calls to reach out to them. And, um, both of whom I've met up with a few times and it feels so healed and um, you know I'm Gosh. able to talk about things differently and that's I want amazing. that for every woman or person uh, that I, like wants that <laughs>
0: it's so cool to heal in that way because I don't know if you experienced this too I'm sure you did and I'm sure a lot of people did but in school is kind of like some of my worst like bullying experiences were from other women yes yeah like a yeah. big wound you know and it's like even like our relationship with our moms right that's a big wound for me too yeah so it's kind of like so I just turned 30 and it's so cool to hear you say that Mm -hmm. like kind of we're able to Mm -hmm. turn it because I want that so badly and I I do have like an incredible Mm -hmm. um, community Mm -hmm. of incredible friends so I'm so thankful for Mm -hmm. them Um, but wow those are really really healing it's it's so healing just to hear you say those words Mm -hmm. thank you Oh, and then I feel like the last thing to touch on quickly that relates to um, this is cycle syncing, right? And the way yeah. we've kind of been taught to cut our um, our hormones in these weird ways so that we kind of don't feel our power. Like you said, like the womb, like it's an incredible thing. It's a, it's a total, it's unreal. Like it feels magical that we can create life, right? But instead yeah. we've been taught to shut it off. So if you can go into a little bit about cycle syncing, I'd love that.
1: Yeah, um, the first thing I want to say about like hormonal birth control is that uh, especially like I preach now, like I, I, I love not being on hormonal birth control so I really celebrate that and I'm passionate about that but I want to say that it's such an amazing thing that you know right women or people with wombs or uterus uh, uteruses what's that plural um, yeah
0: uteri, <laughs> like uteri. We, uteri
1: <laughs> uh, with a yeah any anyways with um reproductive anatomy I guess um that would create life um it's so incredible to me that women could pursue their careers or you know not get pregnant and wanting to have an active sex life and not get pregnant at an early age and not start like I am I think that is so cool. I'm all like, let's have as much sex as we want. Let's yeah. like, I'm I'm just all about that. So yes, I yeah. am so, so grateful that, especially because we live in a system, right? That doesn't teach us. So of course to me, I was like, I'm really glad that I was on a, a Marina IUD. I, you know, technically I didn't know any better and I didn't have my period from age like 16 until 29 with mm-hmm. the IED and I had a really fun active sex life and um my professional career just got to, like sore and sore and sore and like I'm like okay that's really really cool and yeah. I was so out of my body I was mm-hmm. so still in fear like I think I still took many pregnancy tests because I didn't understand when ovulation was when it wasn't when I could get pregnant the fact I was like all that were just not taught and yeah. that then causes this huge disconnect from, from your womb, from your body. So like not just yeah. talking about, you know, your reproductive system, you just, you don't know your body. And even if you're on hormonal birth control, whatever type, they're all different, but, um, At the end of the day, your body's not living in its natural cycle. And just like when your circadian rhythm gets messed up, when you can't fall asleep at night, when the weather's changing around you and you're fighting it, or you're like, wait, no, I really want it to still be summer, but now it's fall. Imagine that happening within your body and that disconnect that it's creating. And that like, ultimately for me, my biggest things were, um, went before I understood my body and yes, I like wasn't getting pregnant, but I would still have, you know, hormone fluctuations and they weren't as like routine as they are now. Um, but let's say for example, you know, right before you got your period, I personally, I gain about like, oh, uh, somebody that gets their period can gain, you know, between five and 10 pounds in their cycle in that month, in that 28 mm-hmm. 35, whatever that is, um, I would start to kind of like gain that weight and feel like puffy and water retention and things like that and i beat myself up i would be like you are going to three soul cycle classes today mm-hmm. you are not like it was so dysmorphic and yeah. so cruel to my body and mm-hmm. um, then i would have pain like like you know, just the rest of the cycle wasn't good so there's something yeah. that i'm really passionate about which is compassion for our bodies is what cycle syncing can bring to us i yes. god maybe last month i had a like harder period because of just like there's so many factors
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and I had a moment and I have a new boyfriend and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm having to cycle sync, bring this into my relationship. I'm not feeling good. Like I, I wanted so badly to just be put back on a hormonal birth control. I was just like, yeah. oh, I want this all to stop. And I immediately mm-hmm. was like, whose voice is that? I was like, that's the patriarchy telling me that I must be at a hundred percent all the time. That is my dysmorphic relationship with my body. That tells me I need to look a certain way all the time and act a certain right. way and I was able to be like almost sad about that because I felt it so big and I know many of us do. Um, but just all in all, it's been a year since I got off my IUD and it's made my sex life better. It's made the men for me in a cis relationship, um, it's it's me, you know. I'm teaching the men I'm with about it, and like the fact that they energetically live in fear that potentially every time they have sex with somebody that they could get pregnant, that um they could get them pregnant, and not understand yeah. that it's X amount of day. Like that mm-hmm. fear that I think lives in us as a society. It takes away from pleasure. It takes away from intimacy. Right. Uh, I like knew I was ovulating this weekend, and like, which that's a whole other story with what you need to do protection wise, but (laughs) I like. I leaned into it like heavy and I had big talks with my partner about it and it was phenomenal to like really meet myself there and so all that to say you know that's not just body and like you know fertility awareness with I would recommend anyone study fertility awareness method like you you need to actually find like a good practitioner to learn that from if you want to get off birth control and uh not get pregnant so that's another topic but i love using this for my workout and my business and i want everyone to regardless if you you know menstruate or not we're all cyclical and if you want more compassion towards yourself you want a more honest embodied relationship with your body and you want a business and a life that is more sustainable we're all cyclical no matter what body you have we all have high highs we all have low lows we are not meant to be 100 percent all the time and you can learn that about your hormones and about your cycle yes and you can also just notice that in your day-to-day life and then put that in your workout put that in your training put that in how you run a business you know have different seasons of your business within a 30-day time frame um, yes. With grief and mental health, when you're not feeling a hundred percent, give yourself five days of not feeling a hundred. Maybe in ten days, you'll come back and have more energy. Um, and that's just—I think that all humans becoming more cyclical is going to change the world.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful, Rachel. Yeah, I—I I know that's going to resonate with a lot of people, and. I want to touch on something you had said earlier, just at the start of this about how birth control kind of gave women this ability to have more sex. And I think that's great. And I do mm-hmm. want to touch on the sex topic. I don't want to um, keep you mm. any longer than you can, but I, isn't it interesting that like, okay, it gave us this ability to have more sex, but at the same time for a lot of people completely ruined their sex drive and killed their libido. Mm. It's like, so wild mm-hmm. that it's then on us to take that birth control. Like you said, when there's a man who can get a woman pregnant at any point and, and I wanna be yeah. um, cautious too with my words around the around the genders. But um yeah. yeah, it's like and then it's just to kill our sex drive and I I'm I'm such a big believer in having great sex and like feeling good. It really is a life hack mm-hmm. kind of, I'm sure you would mm-hmm. agree, Rachel. Um, and it's so cool to be able to kind of work understand that in your own cycle and understand why sometimes you might have higher sex drive and why you might have lower Mm -hmm. and, and not having that be manipulated, um, by the hormones is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. There's, I'm totally blanking on the book title right now, but there are some, there's some great research being done about how hormonal birth control affects who we're attracted to. Yes. Right. All of that. And, you know, if we if we take away the science from it, like I think it just is so harm it hurts us as the individual too, of being like, you know, we beat ourselves up. We're like, wait, like, you know, or or got you know whatever it is with like you know your partner being in a different cycle as well like we beat ourselves up we take things so personally we think something's wrong with us because what we're shown in commercials and television and social media like makes us think that we need to be xyz way all the time and it's just it's not like that yeah both with science and spirit it's just not like that and only we can really know what our biggest truth is and I think That's the thing that society, like, I love fitness and I love coaching and I love all these things. And at the end of the day, the coaching industry is only profitable uh, because, you know, the the way it's seen and been structured, I'm trying to change it and my coaches Mm -hmm. are trying to change it, but, you know, it profits based off of telling people they're doing something wrong or that they're like, you know, they, yeah, they're doing something wrong um, where, you know, the fitness industry has profited and exploded because it also teaches people look a different way, be a different way. Like all these industries in front of us, um, corporate America, it's like, no, you need to be in this masculine. You need to be in this energy. So there's just so many places, right. That we're just taught we're doing something wrong. And I just want everyone to be able to be like, what am I doing right? And what feels mm. right for me? And I think the word oh we haven't even touched about this and I know we're coming in the end, but like the word intuition is thrown around every which way. Right. And I am my master's in intuition medicine and I really got to study it and look at it and be like, why am I so frustrated with like the coaching industry being like, I'm an intuitive business coach. I'm like, do you even know what that means? Um, right. And I'm guilty of this too. I said intuitive movement for a really long time. And I think people were like, what the fuck does that mean? And I was like, I actually don't know. At the end of the day, to me, in- intuition is coming back to yourself, your body, your needs, what is right for you. And I think we can have intuitive sex. We can have intuitive relationships. We can have intuitive businesses we run, intuitive eating, intuitive working out routines. Like all of that at the end of the day really just means coming back to self and in a society that we've been taught to disconnect from self so that they could profit, it's really important we come back to us. You get this as a trainer. Like, one client is gonna love your class, and another client's gonna love my class, and that's amazing. Let's both own what we do and do it so well and so aligned with what makes us feel alive that we're just continuing that mycelium network of everyone finding what they love and what supports them. And that to me is where the world is going to be epic. Everybody just finding uh-huh. what works for them and doing it.
0: I feel like this is the perfect point to end on. Thank you, Rachel Brooke. I'm going to make sure that I have all of your info in the show notes so people can connect with you because um, you're just an incredible
1: person. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me. I love that we just touched on all my favorite things, which... and. It, <laughs> which are also my favorite things yeah (laughs) and you know we live. I actually did a mushroom journey recently and I just for me it's so funny sometimes when you have epiphanies you'll say them out loud and people will be like um duh and I'm like well okay I didn't know that until now (laughs) um but for me I recently had this like wait 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 I don't need to do this you know how my business coach does it. I don't need to do this. How like the most successful fit pro does this. I don't even need to do this. How I think I need to do this. I only need to do this in my way. And Ugh. I, for a long time felt this, like I need to like figure out if I'm doing psycho or meditation or movement or mushrooms, like, ah, eh. and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm all of it. And anyone listening, if you have different you know, interests and things that you're passionate about, be multi-passionate. Um, or if you're not multi passionate and you're really fucking good at one thing, do that one thing and do it well. That's like, a blessing too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no, like I said, there's no right or wrong way to do this. Um, and so just thank you for letting me lean into the fact that I love all these things. That means oh, a
0: lot. This was seriously so special. Thank you, Rachel. I'm so excited mm. for people to get to know you more and connect with you because you've made mm. such an impact on my life. So thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I would love to connect with you on social media, on Instagram or TikTok. You can find me at Ruth Pilates Studio, all one word. If you'd like to try out any of my classes, on-demand programs, and challenges, and join this community of bad bees across the globe, you can sign up today for a seven-day free trial. Just check out the show notes for the details. And lastly, remember to stand so tall and proud. Can't wait to talk to you next.